Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, and it's a much, much later time than I normally record podcasts. In fact, today being uh, Tuesday, the 6th of April, hope you had a wonderful Easter break, and it's uh, currently 8.11 p.m. on Tuesday, the 6th of April, so recording a lot later than I normally do, but uh, had another couple of fantastic workshops today with some great teams, and we're talking all things influence today, so I wanted to record some thoughts uh, and I think I've recorded some of the thoughts around this before, but I think it's worth repeating because uh, too many leaders lose, I guess, lose their emphasis, lose their focus on some of the finer points of influence. And I, I reckon it's a, certainly for me, it's a great reminder to look at what I'm doing as a leader, but certainly clients and people that are working in a leadership capacity or an influencing capacity it's great reminders to look at, okay, what are the key key areas of influence? What are some great principles we can utilize? And what are some, um, I guess, best practices that we can utilize to continue to influence our key stakeholders, but also our team, so that they can deliver the results that ultimately become sustainable and replicable over a long period of time and really take uh, leadership and performance to an entirely new level. Because as, as we've always said, that leadership is influence and influence is leadership as the great man John Maxwell always refers to. So I just wanted to record some thoughts on some of the, I guess, the the high-level topics we talked about today as a reminder for me, but also hopefully a reminder for you and your team as well. So just think about, are you demonstrating some of these attributes? Are you using some of these laws? Are you working on some of these principles to help you increase or at least maintain your level of influence? And is there anything you could be doing even 1%, 2%, different that could be the difference that makes all the difference and if, if you can then you know what continue to do that over a period of time as we've always talked about compound interest is great but also compound and consistent effort is also great because it does end up generating some significant results in a very very short period of time based on the compound nature of how it all works so we talked about today in terms of uh, just influencing and influencing uh, first of all your own team but also starting to think about the, the teams that we need to influence in and around our own organization, but any partners we're dealing with and also key stakeholders outside of the business that we need to build relationships with and we need to engage in in order to get great outcomes, whether it be for us, whether it be for us collectively with them, but also for third parties in terms of key customers and other other key stakeholders, whether that be partners or, or end customers. And I've got to say, I love talking about this stuff because very quickly I find out that for a lot of people, this is absolutely brand new. And for me and for other leaders who's been around for a while, sometimes we can run the risk of taking a lot of these principles for granted. And we don't necessarily think about them as consciously as perhaps we did when we first started off. And again, it's great to hear young leaders and new leaders and emerging leaders look at these concepts, in not so much in awe, but with really open minds and curious minds to think, wow, this, this could be, for some of them, life-changing. What was equally um, awesome today was I had a number of leaders who'd been in the game for 15 to 20 years, and whilst they'd been around the traps and whilst they had a great track record, it was fascinating to listen to the conversations and listen to the questions and the insights because they too, even though they'd been in a leadership role for such a long period of time, 
they also demonstrated the fact that, hey, there's always another level they can get to, and they had a slightly different perspective on this. And for some of them, it was a great reflection of what they'd been doing well. But for some also, they shared, you know what, I haven't placed enough attention on one, of the, one or two of these areas. And so for them, there was a, there was a small little um, opportunity for them to take something away and then implement straight away to enable them to further enhance their leadership and their influence and capabilities, not just with their team, but also with their key stakeholders. So it was a fascinating fascinating conversation. And again, it's so easy for us who are in the industry that do this day in and day out to sometimes take some of these concepts for granted. And that can be quite dangerous because it's easy, therefore, to gloss over some concepts and not necessarily explore them as deeply as we perhaps could uh, and perhaps <laughs> and should so that uh, so that this is really embraced by, by everybody. Now, whether we take all of it or not, it's it's entirely up to us. Uh, but like every single session I run, every single coaching session, there's always one or two things that the individual and the team take away. And the key thing is, is take that and implement it straight away, which is another uh, outcome of today's workshop. Because what I've learned sometimes the hard way is you can learn a lot of stuff, but if you don't implement it pretty much straight away, over time you start to suffer from mental atrophy where you'll actually start forgetting a significant percentage of what you've just learned if we don't implement straight away. So the key message out of today's podcast is whatever you're learning, whether it be from this message or anything you're doing in terms of any programs, any courses, any coaching you're getting, please, 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 whatever you do, take something and implement it straight away so that we can start to develop a higher level of conscious competence. And then when we get to a point where we've locked it in, locked in the habit, it now moves slowly but surely into a unconscious competence and therefore autopilot. And so it's actually embedded as a, as a key principle. So one of the key things we shared about uh, the, the influencing, I guess, conversation today was this, this concept of three core factors or three important factors in influence being ethos, pathos, and logos. And this comes from an ancient Greek philosopher by the name of Aristotle, which most of us would have heard of. And he was the master influencer. And, and he actually identified these three core uh, principles, if you like, around influence. And every single professional and successful marketer and organization in their advertising and in their, I guess, their paraphernalia and what they do, use one, two, or in most cases, three of these uh, key influencing factors in everything they do, particularly in when it comes to advertising. Now, it's, it's in a particular order that this has to be done in order to maximize the opportunity of getting a great outcome and incentivizing the marketplace to take the action that you want them to take. And it starts with ethos. And ethos is all about credibility. It's starting with somebody who is either, say, a celebrity. In the case of uh, makeup, for example, you're looking at a, at a Hollywood celebrity who most people look at with a position or from a position of authority and somebody that they look up to. So people want to align themselves with this type of celebrity and therefore organizations that are wanting to sell a product or sell a service are looking for celebrities who do have credibility, who the marketplace that they're aiming their product at would relate to and resonate with. So you'll see a lot of advertisements, whether it be in print media, but certainly on television right now, that products are going to be endorsed by a celebrity who they believe has a level of credibility with the marketplace. Now, it doesn't always have to be a celebrity that's endorsing your product. You can actually have somebody who has credibility in their marketplace as a subject matter expert, um, a professional looking person, somebody who has stature within a certain industry, who has experience in a certain industry, or who's developed a level of success in a certain industry that is, is oozing credibility and people look up to them as somebody who is a person of integrity and a person who is worth following. And so most successful organizations that use credibility as a lead, a lead indicator, if you like, 
um, tend to find their numbers will follow through if they've got a celebrity or if they've got a person of credibility that is really, really credible, that does relate. So it has to be a match between the individual and obviously the product. So that's the first thing, thinking about ethos in terms of credibility. From a, from a leadership point of view, what does this mean? Well, we need to have a level of credibility in our leadership and in our standing within the organization so that people want to follow us. Now, it doesn't have to be us standing on a soapbox and talking about all the fantastic results we've generated over the last 5, 10, 15, or 20 years or however long it is, but it's about being a person of good character who has uh, trust in the forefront of their mind in terms of earning the right to lead the team and earning the right to be trusted by the team, who has the credibility to deliver what they say they're going to deliver. So if we can do that, we don't have to be a quote-unquote a celebrity in the public eye, but what is really important that if we are to influence a team and if we are to lead a team effectively, we need to be able to establish a level of authority within that industry and certainly within that team, and it's not done by beating the chest. And so how we do that, it could be different for different people, but it's, it's something we need to look at because we really have to tap into this, this concept of credibility or ethos as Aristotle talked about. Now, the next one is pathos, and pathos relates to the emotional attachment that people have to a particular topic or particular individual. And so when you're looking at advertising, a lot of organizations will use things like fear or they'll use desire. They'll use empathy. They'll use hunger. They'll use anything that can tap into the emotions of their target market so as to get that target market to feel a certain way in order for them to take a course of action that the organization wants them to take. So a couple of classic examples we talked about today. One is when you're looking at uh, trying to get people to make donations to a, a charitable cause. Uh, World Vision is a classic example here and you'll have photographs or you'll have uh, images of third world countries where they're, they're, there's poverty, there's hunger, there's lack of water. And so the key message behind those images is help help this, this family or this person get access to fresh clean water, for example. Simply donate a dollar a day or a dollar a month, whatever the case might be. But what it's doing is it's playing on our emotions to try and get us to take a certain course of action. From a food perspective, when you look at all the food advertising, you just have to look at things like Hungry Jacks and McDonald's and KFC. They're advertising food, and even, even Subway now is doing this. They make the food look so delicious, so huge. I mean, the Whoppers at Hungry Jacks look as big as your head, and the Subway sandwiches look massive. There's no way you can get your mouth around them. But when you go into the actual store and get one, they look completely different. But what it's designed to do is get you to feel a certain emotion so you can take the action. So as leaders, how can we tap into people's emotions? How can we actually get people to want to be part of the team, want to move forward with the team, overcome whatever obstacles they need to overcome in order to be successful within the team? And how can we, therefore, as leaders, tap into that emotion and really pull the levers we need to pull in order for them to take the action that ultimately we'd like them to take? And the third one is all about Logos. And Logos is about the logical brain or everything that's tangibly logical. So this is where you look, you'll be looking at facts and figures and percentages and processes and charts and lots of words and lots of information. So this is tapping into people's logical brain. And many years ago, they would have said it's the left brain of, of people. But we now know that through brain science, left and right is a little bit of a, uh, a misnomer now because you can actually have left brain people who are quite creative and vice versa, right brains who are very logical. Um, but it's really important to understand that in order for us to fully influence and to effectively influence, we've got to pretty much cover all three bases, ethos, pathos, and logos. And the way it's actually done in the correct order is we start with ethos. We start with building credibility. We then want to appear to people's emotions or to their pathos, and then we back it up with logos. And so that's the way we effectively influence. 
So it really was a fascinating conversation. And out of that, we realized that a number of us potentially focus on one element of uh, the three and not necessarily all three. And for many, it was a bit of a um, bit of an eye opener because I think, well, I'm I'm really good at establishing credibility, but I don't really I'm not really big on the numbers, or I'm fantastic at, at tapping into people's emotions, but I I can't necessarily build credibility to the point where they get all emotional, but they don't take any action, so there's no credibility associated with it. And so for many of the guys today, it was a great eye opener to say, well, I've got to use all three if I'm going to be a really effective influencer. And so that then led on to a conversation where we delved a little bit deeper and started to talk about and shared the six laws of influence that, according to Robert Cialdini, is an absolute must when it comes to influence and when it comes to persuasion. So just at a really high level, I won't go into detail here, but if, you've, if you're really interested in influence and persuasion, then uh, please look up uh, Robert Cialdini and look for his book, uh, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, because it's a fascinating read. There's a number of videos on the internet as well, in YouTube and on Google, that you can actually look at and get more information. But essentially, again, all the marketers, all successful marketers, all successful organizations use most, if not all, of the six laws of influence as part of their go-to-market strategy and as part of their influencing strategy. And so there's a lot that we can take as leaders on how we can actually increase increase and improve our leadership and therefore our influence by tapping into these laws as well. And at a really high level, you've got the law of reciprocity, which basically says that people have a an unconscious bias towards you. They feel compelled to give you something if you have first given them something. So it could be as simple as a hello, how was your weekend, and starting a conversation. People mostly would feel an obligation to therefore ask how you are as well, but it extends way beyond that. And we can go into massive detail, which I won't on this episode, in terms of you know how we go about using the law of reciprocity in business dealings, and certainly in influencing conversations with our team, and certainly as, as us as leaders. The next one is the law of scarcity, which many marketers, and the classic example here is Harvey Norman. So if you look at any Harvey Norman ad, just about every week, there's a special 40 months interest-free, all this sort of stuff, but it ends on Sunday or it ends on Monday. So there's a finite end to a particular deal. It could be while stocks last or there could be a number, a fixed number of widgets that are available for purchase. So people are using the law of scarcity to create a feeling of the fear of missing out. So if you want to actually get involved and get action and get access to a certain product or a certain service, then you've got to act quickly because there's only a limited number or there's a limited amount of time. So using that as, a, as an advantage to try and get people to take a level of action as quickly as possible. You've got the law of consistency and commitment as well. So certainly in sales, we use this a lot. And the idea here is try to get the prospect or the person to say yes to a lot of little things and develop some commitments around small things which in the process is developing a level of consistency. And as, it, as, as the saying goes, or as the principle goes, if we get little yeses, that will lead a lot more uh, and increase the probability of saying yes when we ask for the order. And therefore, there's a level of consistency and they feel almost obligated to say yes when the big close comes. Now, you need to use all of these with volition. You need to use all of these with integrity. But it's basically saying that if we can commit to small things, then there's a higher probability that when we're leading a customer, when we're leading somebody to make a, a principle-based and an educational-based decision, it's a lot easier for them to say yes if we're leading them using the law of consistency and commitment. The law of authority, as we just talked about with ethos, is about establishing credibility and using us as, well, we're, the, we're a subject matter expert or we have integrity within this industry, we've got a track record, and therefore we are worthy of being listened to. 
and actually providing a level of service. And certainly as leaders, this is something that we need to do a lot more of in terms of developing a level of authority. And it's not about command and control. It's about earning the right to lead teams and earning the right to be trusted by teams through establishing, through a track record, that we are credible. And we've got a level of credibility and therefore we've got a level of authority that comes with it. Um, the big one that's used a lot, and I see this a lot in testimonials, particularly in business-to-business areas, is that social validation or social proof. So consensus is often it's easier for people to make decisions if they see a third party who they respect having purchased or having taken a course of action that you're wanting this person to take. It is literally a third party endorsement which gives credibility to what you're, what you're talking about and what you're, what you're saying and what you're selling. And the last one is the law of likability or the law of sometimes it's called the law of friendship and the law of liking. And this is uh, basically two, twofold. One is it's uh, we like to be liked by people. We like to be long to something. And therefore, if we're part of a, I guess, a cohort that is, um, that is liked, then that's great because we feel, we feel at home, we feel comfortable. But the other one about this is it's, it's almost like the law of relatability where if we relate to somebody and we are likable, we're very similar and we can relate to that particular person uh, it's almost like we, we get on well with this person. There's a level of credibility that comes with that and therefore we potentially have some things in common, common interests, etc., etc. So that is a law of likability, which again can add credibility and therefore enhance our ability to influence others to take a particular course of action. So that were the six laws of influence. So how does this all relate to leaders? And this is what we talked about today. Um, marketers and organizations use these laws all the time to actually generate interest around their own products and around their own services and to incentivize people to take a course of action they want them to take. But this is equally applicable to us as leaders as well, whether it be building a small team, building a large team, trying to influence key stakeholders within your organization to take a particular course of action. Start tapping into these laws because they've been around for centuries but not enough leaders are using these to their fullest advantage. So tap into the three core Aristotle laws of ethos, pathos, and logos, but also really investigate the the six laws of influence and think about that as a leader, how can I use these to my own advantage, to my best advantage? Now, with all of this, we use it with volition, we use it with integrity. We don't necessarily use it to get what we want. It's about creating a great environment where we can create win-win outcomes for our team, for our businesses, for our stakeholders, and certainly for our customers, but it's such a fantastic set of tools that we can use to really ramp up our ability to influence others and really get some great results and in the process, continue to enhance our reputation and our profile as great leaders and people who people want to continue to do business with. Because when it's said and done, we want to create environments where people want to come to and be a destination for people, not necessarily where having to beg, beg and steal and trying to incent people to come in to try and be part of the team. We want people to be knocking down the doors to come and work for us and work in our team because they hear such great things because of the way we're leading our team. And it all comes down to influence. So I trust that message resonates. If I can help you at all increasing your own influence and in the process helping you taking your sales leadership to that exceptional level, love to work with you one-on-one. Got some openings right now that I'm ready to work with you as early as this week. Simply go to my calendar. Let's have a conversation. Yes, there is an investment, but nothing worth achieving is not worth investing in. So I'd love to work with you one-on-one and help you do just that over the next 90 days and help you get you and your team to an exceptional level and start starting to develop some significant and sustainable results. So jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time that suits and we'll jump on a call and we'll talk about what the program looks like. And as I said, we can start as early as this week. So with that, uh, it's a bit bit of a later podcast today. So I apologize if you're a natural, if you're a regular listener and normally get the podcast earlier in the day. 
but I was determined, given that I had a day off yesterday being Easter Monday, I was determined to get one out and ready to be listened to on Tuesday, the 6th of April. So with that said, have a phenomenal rest of the evening, and I look forward to talking to you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.